This is a Federal News Network podcast. Coming up on today's Federal Newscast, members of Congress want an update on when employees will be returning to the office. Another court ruling goes in favor of Navy sailors who want to be exempted from the vaccine mandate. And a bill to help federal employees save a bigger nest egg passes the House. These stories and more in today's Federal Newscast. Welcome to today's episode of the Federal Newscast. I'm Eric White. Republican House lawmakers are posing more questions about return to office plans for federal employees. Two ranking members of the Committee on Oversight and Reform want a clearer picture of whether those workers will have in-person or hybrid schedules. Congressman Jody Heiss and James Comer wrote to leaders at the Office of Personnel Management and the General Services Administration. They're asking for a date that most federal workers will come back in person. GSA and OPM have until April 13th to respond. The Commerce Department is telling all of its employees to come back to the office by the end of April. Federal News Network's Jory Heckman has more. The Commerce Department expects all its employees to return to the office starting April 25th and expects employees to generally be able to telework up to two days per week. But some employees may be able to telework more than that. The agency says it's working with its bureaus to expand telework options beyond its baseline of two days per week. Commerce cites President Joe Biden's State of the Union address as the impetus for its office reentry plans. Commerce tells staff it will provide more information about returning to the office over the next few weeks. Jory Heckman, Federal News Network. The Department of Housing and Urban Development is outlining a phased reentry for its employees starting April 25th. That's when HUD lifts its maximum telework policy that's been in place since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. HUD tells employees they have to report to their official duty stations at least twice a pay period for two pay periods. It expects to complete the first phase of its office reentry plans by the week of May 23rd. The agency tells employees they'll receive further guidance in the coming weeks about the second phase. A federal judge in Texas has blocked the Navy from enforcing its COVID vaccine mandate against nearly 4,000 sailors who filed religious exemptions. The new decision vastly expands an earlier court order that only covered a few dozen sailors and certifies the case as a class action lawsuit. In keeping with a recent Supreme Court decision, the Navy can use those sailors' vaccination status to make deployment and assignment decisions, but cannot take other disciplinary action against them for refusing the vaccine. The Coast Guard is asking for a 5% budget boost compared to last year's request. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni has more. The Coast Guard is often forgotten in the shadow of the Defense Department's much larger budget, but this year the service is asking for a bit of a boost. The Coast Guard is asking for $13.8 billion and wants to use $125 million of it to procure a commercial icebreaker. It hopes to use that ship in polar regions until the first of six new icebreakers are completed in the 2025 timeframe. Other budget items include $650 million for offshore patrol cutters and $100 million to keep ships in good repair. Scott Massioni, Federal News Network. Lawmakers are giving the Defense Department ideas on how to use its new Basic Needs Income Authority. The 2022 Defense Authorization Act allows the Pentagon to give low-income service members a stipend for food and other needs. Legislators on multiple committees suggest giving service members an opt-out option if they do not want to be part of the program. Another suggestion is to exclude basic allowance for housing as an income consideration when deciding if a military family needs a basic income stipend. 
GSA's Technology Transformation Service and the Air Force's Kessel Run Office are offering a glimpse of what the future of federal websites and customer experience could look like. TTS and Kessel Run collaborated to develop a proof of concept to let the cloud.gov platform host 100 million users at the same time. Kessel Run's Bowcaster team provided chaos engineering services to help TTS's platform scale its capacity. Bowcaster provided load testing, penetration testing, and other services to ensure the cloud.gov platform could meet availability and resiliency requirements that highly trafficked applications need. Another federal agency CIO is on the move. Federal News Network's Jason Miller has the details. Latwita Hutchinson, the CIO for FEMA since 2019, is leaving to join the private sector. Hutchinson confirmed to Federal News Network that she plans to end her 41 career in federal service. During her time at FEMA, Hutchinson focused on IT modernization goals, including moving more applications and systems to the cloud, adjusting customer experience challenges, and of course, cybersecurity. Hutchinson came to FEMA after spending her entire federal career working for the Defense Department. She served in the Army for 21 years and then worked in various civilian positions in the DOD CIO's office. Jason Miller, Federal News Network. The Internal Revenue Service is naming new executives to serve in some key roles. The IRS hires Todd Anthony to serve as its chief procurement officer. Anthony previously served as the associate director for enterprise procurement initiatives at the Education Department and as a senior procurement executive at the Office of Personnel Management. The IRS also names Mark Persley as its new chief risk officer. Persley previously served as the IRS's director for service-wide operations. Congressional auditors say U.S. Cyber Command needs a better way of measuring progress for a key acquisition initiative. Cybercom is overseeing the development and fielding of the joint cyber warfighting architecture, but the Government Accountability Office says the command lacks good metrics to evaluate the performance of the new cyber warfighting systems. Cybercom told GAO that it plans on fine-tuning the metrics through a series of assessments this year. A new White House cyber office is starting to take shape. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday reports. National Cyber Director Chris Inglis says his new office now employs about 30 people, with a goal to one day reach 90. The office was just established last summer to drive stronger cyber resilience across public and private sectors. It received $21 million from Congress in last year's infrastructure bill, and the Biden administration is requesting another $22 million for next year. Inglis says the office's efforts are just getting started. I'm pleased to say that now about eight months into my tenure and probably two and a half months into the funding, we're in a place where we have very significant lines of effort underway. And the House's Secure Act is one step closer to becoming law. The House passed the bill on Tuesday evening, making it easier for federal employees to save more as they get closer to retirement. Under the bill, participants in the Thrift Savings Plan will see an increase in the required start date for TSP distributions. The House is urging the Senate to act quickly so the Securing a Strong Retirement Act can move forward to the president for signing. You can find more information about these stories at federalnewsnetwork.com, search Federal Newscast, and subscribe to the Federal Newscast on Podcast One or Apple Podcasts. I'm Eric White. Reconnect with a carpool or vanpool. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, Commuter Connections can match you with others that live and work near or at the same place as you. Prefer taking the bus or train? There's never been a better time to reconnect with transit. Plus, you have the added comfort of knowing Guaranteed Ride Home is there for any unexpected emergency for free. For more options, visit commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. Some restrictions apply.